your hour of Thrive Time begins now with your host, Jay Mamie, on the Jay Mamie Talk Show. Jay Mamie Talk Show. Welcome, everyone, once again to your hour of Thrive Time. This is Jay Mamie, and I appreciate you being with us this morning on our show. I want to thank you if you're visiting our show for the very first time today. It is so wonderful to hear that new people are listening into the show, and as our fan base and our listenership continues to expand, I'm thankful that you're visiting the show for the first time. And if you are a returning listener, let me thank you for continuing to support this program. We are cranking it out in 21 with excellent content, fantastic guests, and you are going to be with us for this Thrive Ride of 21. By the way, if you're visiting our show for the first time today, let me let you know that you have not missed uh, a whole lot in sense of being able to go back and listen to our archive segments. We've got a full library of archived episodes at the jmamietalkshow.com. So if you like today's show and you can't wait for Sunday's show, then go ahead and listen into our archive library. You'll pick up the episodes from the past that have been absolutely fantastic. You can catch that at the jmamietalkshow.com. And by the way, while you're at the website, make sure that you check out our business spotlight and our author spotlights. We highlight businesses and individuals and authors that are doing something fantastic so that you can be exposed to the goodness of what they do and what they offer and their messages. And I also want to encourage you guys to make sure that you follow me on my social media channels. My Instagram is DJ Mamie. You could also follow me on Twitter, also at the J Mamie. You can hop on over to my website, thejmamie.com, and there you're going to find my books, blogs, videos, great content, prior media uh, activities that I've done and all sorts of different other podcasts and programs that I've been on. And you can check out that content as well. And I encourage you to click on to my merchandise store. We've got some fantastic stuff on there, some great action uh, provoking, thought stoking, inspirational, motivational quotes that will give you a chance to have them printed on a number of items so that you can have thrive minded activity and and just be reminded of what it takes to thrive throughout the course of the week so you can take us wherever you go. Now I'm excited about today's guest because we've got three fantastic people that really highlight the theme of the show. This theme of the show is all about going from surviving to thriving in many areas of your life and we've been knocking it out of the park uh, since the show began here. But our First, the, our featured guest is Michael Sergru, and we're going to hear from him in a little while. Michael Sergru is a retired United States Air Force captain. He's a veteran. He's a retired police sergeant. He's an advocate for mental health and suicide prevention among the military, and he's also an advocate for first responders. He's got a fantastic message to share with us today, so we're excited to hear from him in a little bit. And in our author spotlight, we have Julie Thomas, who's just released her very first book. Guys, you know, I'm big on first-time authors. I've written nine books. I know what it's like to be an author for the first or second time. And to be able to write a book, it's a big deal. So she's got her book that she just published, Change Your Words, Change Your Future. Great book. We're going to hear from her shortly. And then in our Impact Spotlight, we're going to hear from Ram Mehta. He's the founder of an organization that's doing fantastic work in feeding those who are not able uh, to provide those that are struggling. Um, his organization, Everyone Eats, really stands by its name. 
and the amount of press that he's received nationally for what he's doing uh, is incredible because he is reaching people where they're hurting the most, and he's here in Dallas, and we're going to have a chance to speak with him in our Impact Spotlight a little later in the show. But I want to start this program with just a few thoughts. Uh, I call it Thrive Talk. And I want to share with you what's what's on my mind and what's on my heart before we begin introducing our guests. There is very little doubt today, very little doubt, that we are in a very challenging time in this country. Uh, I'm 50 years old. I know I don't look it. <laughs> I'm 50 years old, and I've been through a whole bunch uh, in my 50 years of walking on planet Earth. I mean, I've I've been through... Uh, 9-11. I lived in New York City when 9-11 occurred, and I was in my early 20s. Uh, I also have had a chance to experience uh, the wars that we've been a part of since uh, I've been here. I've been through impeachments. I've been through civil unrest. Uh, I've been through the market implosion of 2007, also the great market growth of 1999. I've been through numerous election cycles, prior viruses, so the point is, I've been here, I've experienced through my time on Earth, challenging times that we've had as a country. And look, I, I want to say, this before I even get into this, I, this show is all about thriving, right? So you say, Jay, why do you bring up these events? Well, because part of thriving is understanding the environment that you're currently in and being able to make the adjustments according to what's happening in the environment. We cannot turn a blind eye to what's happening right before our very eyes. So my show is about thriving, but it's also having the awareness and recognition of the adjustments you've got to make or the involvement you've got to take in ways that will help you continue to thrive without turning a blind eye. Thriving involves many aspects. There's individual thriving, corporate thriving, community thriving, statewide thriving. And of course, there's striving as a country. Let me share with you this. When we are united, we all thrive. When we are united, we all thrive. Now, I know some of you might say, well, I don't need to see or experience or be a part of a thriving country in order for me to personally succeed and thrive. And uh, to an extent, that's true. That's true. Your thriving, your ability to thrive, that responsibility falls flat on your shoulders. I mean, you got to carry that responsibility to personally thrive, but make no mistake about it. Unless you live in your own personal bubble, uh, you're going to be affected by what happens around you in the community, in your country. So there's no question that when a people are fairly united, predominantly united, and in sync, that everyone benefits from that. Everyone benefits when there is a sense of unity and, uh, and, and like-mindedness to an extent. Everyone benefits from that. Right now, though, we're seeing the opposite, right? We're seeing the opposite, which is why I wanted to take a moment to speak on that. Because the recent riots on Capitol Hill and the aftermath rhetoric is only serving to further divide our country. And let me just share this with you, that whether you are a faith-based person or not, 
what I'm about to share with you stands the test of time, and it can be applied whether or not you are a faith-based person, you are a person who reads the Bible or or searches a scripture or or whatever faith you're you're you are uh, you you follow. In the Bible, there's a verse that says, "If a house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand." You find it in the Gospel of Mark. Let me repeat that. If a house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. So I submit to you this. If you are a resident of that house, then you too will be affected. That's exactly what I've been talking about just a few minutes ago. If you are a resident of that house, you're going to be affected as well. When that house's infrastructure is compromised, you're going to be affected. The, if the foundation of the that house is shaken, you're going to be affected by that. And when the walls start to cave in, then it doesn't matter how fancy your room was. <laughs> it doesn't matter how much you hooked it up. Because what you became accustomed to enjoying will no longer be there. Do you understand that? That house, if it's divided, is going to fall. And if you are a resident of that house, you're going to be affected by that to a very strong degree. I was having a conversation with my brother Joe, who co-hosted a phenomenal episode with me last year. And we both agreed that this house that I'm talking about, this house, has to begin the process of unifying once again. By the way, unifying doesn't mean that you have to agree on everything. We're, we're, We're different people. Right? On purpose, by design, we're different. So we're going to have different views, different beliefs, and so on. So unifying doesn't mean that you have to agree on everything, but the process begins by agreeing to respect each other's views, beliefs, opinions, property, rule of law, and the lives of others. It means acknowledging the plight that we are all on, not only as citizens of the U.S., but citizens of planet Earth. Is it going to take some work? Yeah. Is it going to take time? Absolutely. But the benefits will outweigh the efforts. A united states of America must begin with a high degree of tolerance for each other, as well as an awareness of the needs that we all have, and then work towards a common goal where we can all find and enjoy a safe and welcoming place where we could all thrive. When we return after the break, my first guest will highlight an area where awareness is needed because it affects our ability to thrive in a safe environment. As I mentioned earlier, U.S. Air Force Special Forces veteran and retired police sergeant, first responder and military mental health advocate, Michael Sergru, will be with us after the break. Have you recently left corporate America, want to start your own business, but don't have the funding? Hi, I'm Erica with Amaro Capital. We help people like you build the business you've always dreamed of. Let us show you how. Give us a call at 954-688-6488 
or visit our website at amorocapital.com. That's A-M-O-R-O-C-A-P-I-T-A-L.com. Jay Mamie writes in his latest bestseller, Battling Invisible Enemies, Facing Your Inner Struggles Head On, that your potential to thrive will always be hindered if you're battling invisible enemies of worry, fear, doubt, and discouragement that only stagger and stunt your focus, your energy, your creativity, and your joy. Go to thejmamie.com for a copy of the book that many are calling a masterpiece. Battling Invisible Enemies, Facing Your Inner Struggles Head On at thejmamie.com. That's T-H-E-J-A-Y-M-A-Y-M-I.com. Great cookout, John. Oh, hey. Thanks for coming, Audrey. So glad we get to hang out. <laughs> Me too. What is that? Ah, uh, my garage door's on the frets. Oh, the horror! See? It's over. Uh, it's closing. I forgot. I gotta be somewhere. No, no, no. Go. Oh, man. Bro, you should call Wellborn. Call Wellborn online at wellborngaragedoors.com. Welcome back to Thrive Time with Jay Mamie. Welcome back, everyone, to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. In our featured guest section, as I mentioned in our prior segment, I'm excited about Michael Sugru for what he does, what he stands for, and what he speaks about all around the country and what he shares his message about also on a number of different programs that he can be found and heard on uh, around the country and really around the world. As I mentioned before, he's a United States Air Force captain, a veteran, former police sergeant, and an advocate for first responders and suicide prevention and works a lot in the mental health field with those that are in law enforcement and military. Michael, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Michael, before we dive into um, our content here, why don't you share a little bit of your story with our listeners? So I grew up in the Bay Area in Northern California, and after college, I immediately went to the Air Force as a security forces officer, and I served six and a half years. I got out as a captain in 2004. And I went into civilian law enforcement for the city of Walnut Creek. And that's located about 30 minutes outside of San Francisco here in Northern California. I served about 14 years in a bunch of different assignments. Uh, One of those, I was undercover on a state drug task force. Eventually, I was promoted to sergeant. And two weeks after being a solo sergeant on patrol, I was involved in a very traumatic incident at work. And that incident forever changed my life and initially set me on a path of self-destruction until I eventually got the strength and courage to ask for help. And that's why I'm here today is that I did ask for help and I started a journey of recovery and now I'm on the other side and I have a whole new life and I'm here to talk about that. Well, we're glad that you're here to talk about that. Um, But what inspired you at such an early age to pursue a life of not only military service for those years, but then continue a life of service in law enforcement thereafter? I owe it to two people. The first is my grandfather. He's a veteran. He served in World War II. And I can remember at a very young age just being in awe of the pictures of him in uniform and Mm. seeing his medals and his decorations. But my stepfather, the one that raised me, 
He was a police lieutenant here in Northern California in one of the most dangerous cities in the nation, Richmond, California. Mm-hmm. And at a very young age, I actually started volunteering for one of the departments that he worked at. And that's what really got the bug and got me to see what it was all about. I saw the camaraderie. I just felt honored to be at this police department. And eventually I got into the police explorer program <laughs> as a teenager. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my whole plan was I got a full scholarship to college to the Air Force, and I knew I wanted military law enforcement, which is what I did. And my original plan was to go into the FBI out of college. So I always knew I was going to transition from the military to civilian law enforcement. But while in the military, I realized that federal law enforcement wasn't what I thought it really was. And I decided that what was a better fit for me was to be a local police officer for a city here in the Bay Area. You know, it's interesting. For the amount of guests that I've spoken to, not only on the show, but that I've had a chance to meet with throughout my life, uh, there's always a common denominator among the, the great ones, and is that they had, early on, great role models. You mentioned your father, uh, your grandfather, and your stepdad, both shaped I would have to say uh, a lot of who you are now back then because you were watching and admiring what they were doing. They left. They lived a life of honor, and thereby you role model that, and here you are today. So there's always great people behind great people. I believe that. It's funny you mentioned the explorers because my son, as you know, he's, uh, he's in the Marine Corps. He also went to um, the explorers program in high school. So there's a lot of common ground there as well. Uh, so I appreciate you sharing that because that is important for people to know. Sometimes, where do these fantastic people who have fantastic experiences come from? Well, usually it was something that they, it was someone else they role modeled. But what is it that the majority of people don't understand about post-traumatic stress injury, which is what you speak about and bring awareness to? What is it about that that the majority of people don't understand among those who serve in the military and law enforcement as well? I think the public is pretty aware of, you know, our military members that they have to go off to combat. Oftentimes they're in foreign countries, whether that's Afghanistan or Iraq. And they're aware that, you know, our soldiers are in a hostile environment and their life is threatened on a daily basis, but it's for a defined period. When it comes to our first responders, and I, you know, I speak about paramedics, firefighters, police officers, especially police officers, you know, we're talking a 30-year career, and we're in battle and combat every single day. Mm-hmm. And the thing is that people don't call us on their best day. They call us on their absolute worst day of their life in many cases. And we get exposed to so much trauma and negativity, and it just wears and wears on us. And what the average citizen doesn't realize is that for first responders in a career, we're exposed to 500 traumatic incidents up to possibly a thousand traumatic incidents in a career. Whereas most people, they may have one or two traumatic incidents in an entire lifetime. That's amazing. And it's a very good point. Uh, If you serve four years or eight years in any branch, you probably will have a handful. And certainly these last few years, they've been very minimal but a handful of traumatic experiences. But if you are in law enforcement for 20, 25, 30 years, and I know a ton of these guys, they're friends of mine, they're clients of mine, you're in the battle every day, aren't you? 
Absolutely. And the thing is, the enemy, you know, when you're in, in wartime and you're in combat, the enemy is more clearly defined. But in civilian law enforcement, the enemy can come from anywhere. You know, you could just simply be having a cup of coffee at the coffee shop and somebody could come in and try to shoot you. You know, the obvious ones are when we go to domestic violence calls mm-hmm. or there's a fight in progress or a stabbing. You know, but in reality, every single contact that we make is a potentially deadly situation. I have to imagine that leaving your home, uh, if you have a family and you leave your home, that's got to be on your mind every day that that could very well be the last time you see them. And that in itself is a highly stressful situation, right? It is, but I have to tell you, just like soldiers, you know, when we're operational, we are operational and we're focused on the job. Mm. And we don't have time to think about that. And for me personally, you know, I always knew there was a chance that something bad could happen to me. But until a specific incident where I truly almost died was when it really started to affect me. And I started to just constantly think about dying and dying in the line of duty. Mm. And and I had a very young daughter at the time, and all I could imagine was that my daughter's not going to know who her dad was and is not going to know how much I loved her. And that really, really weighed on me for a long, long time. You know, I tell you, those that are that have not walked in those shoes, not only could they never understand, obviously, but I think that there's a lot to be said about them raising their level of understanding, comprehension, and compassion, because that is a difficult walk to have daily, um, which is a sacrifice that many will never make. But what do you feel needs to change in public perception and then in policy to bring more awareness to this topic that we're talking about? Well, the public needs to understand that we are just like them. We're human. We're brothers, we're sisters, we're husbands, we're wives. And traumatic incidents affect us the same way that it affects them. And what we need to do is we need to smash the stigma. We need to change the culture. And we need to make it acceptable for our first responders to raise their hand up and ask for help. Because the thing is, this stigma makes first responders embarrassed and ashamed. And they think it's a sign of weakness to ask for help. And the thing is, we all need help at some point in our lives. That is absolutely normal. But there's... This thing where as a first responder, you have to almost feel invincible and have to believe it to go out there and do your job every single day and put your life on the line. But the facts are, by asking for help, that's only going to make you stronger. It's not going to make you weaker. And so we have to change that perception for everybody. You know, for the public, that's through education and awareness. In our agencies, that needs to start with leadership at the top. You know, it's funny you mentioned leadership because that's one of the questions I was going to ask you. There's one thing to be said about what you're doing, bringing awareness, but then there has to be follow-through and follow-up by community leaders as as well as agency leaders because the perception right now, brother, um, you're absolutely right. The negative stigma that someone who needs help uh, probably carries with them is that they're going to be looked as either weak or a liability. And who in their right mind 
knowing that they may be deemed as weak and a potential liability, would ever come forth and say, hey, I need some help, right? Um, and, and there within lies the problem and possibly a future situation that could be thwarted early on. So now it's not only understanding that right, the, you do have a chance to have uh, people to help you, but I think there has to be also, and we'll talk about this on, on our second segment, there has to be also a level of compassion raised by those who can get around those that need the help and say, hey, it's okay. It's okay. Let me ask you this before, and we're going to ask you a question. We're going to come back and bring it on the, uh, on the second segment. Uh, but this, this struggle that, that is found, yeah, I know it's because of a negative stigma, um, but how if not if that's not dealt with early on? In other words, if, if you deal with the fact that you've got a challenge to work with and if you aren't brave enough or comfortable enough to go out and seek the help, what kind of future ramifications could someone find themselves in? And that's going to have a lot to do with what you found for yourself when you were in that situation in the in the, uh, the re- resolutions you decided that you were going to seek out. So when we come back after the break, let's dive into that, okay? Absolutely. All right, brother. We'll be right back after the break. Hey, everyone. Jay Mamie here from the Jay Mamie Talk Show. I want to encourage you to visit my merchandise store. You can find it at thejmamie.com. A number of my inspirational, thought-provoking, action-stoking phrases and quotes that have been so much in demand over the last four or five years now are available in print. You can print them on your favorite coffee mug, print them on a poster. Take my thrive-minded content with you wherever you go. Visit my store at thejmamie.com. Hi, I'm Dr. Johnson, founder of Johnson Medical Associates. Are you frustrated with unresolved chronic medical problems? Our focus is finding the underlying cause through specialized testing for toxins, allergies, and infections like Lyme, mold, and Epstein-Barr virus. With our team, treatment is personalized for your condition. Find us at johnsonmedicalassociates.com or call 972-479-0400. The police are not your personal bodyguards. The job of a policeman is to capture lawbreakers and deliver them to the prosecutor. The police may speed to your rescue if you report a crime in progress, but what do you do in the meantime? America's founding fathers gave you the right to protect the people you love, but you need training. You need the United States Concealed Carry Association, and you'll automatically become an insured on a self-defense liability insurance policy the moment you activate a USCCA membership. The answers to all your questions can be found at uscca.com. Have you seen what's happening with the stock market? Record highs every day. How long can this possibly go on for? By the way, this is exactly what happened right before the 2000.com bubbles burst. Remember that? Protect your savings in retirement by putting them into something safe like real gold and silver. I'm not talking about gold or silver stocks, but into real gold and silver you can actually hold in your hands. How do you get real gold and silver? By calling the Oxford Gold Group today at 833-600-GOLD. Now, the Oxford Gold Group will teach you everything you need to know about owning real gold and silver. It's so much easier than you think. So call the Oxford Gold Group right now at 833-600-GOLD to get your free gold and silver investment guide. The Oxford Gold Group is the only gold and silver company that I trust, and you should too. Get the Oxford Gold Investment Guide today and learn how easy it is to have real gold and silver delivered to your home or how to have real gold and silver in your retirement account. Call the Oxford Gold Group today at 833-600-GOLD. That's 833-600-G-O-L-D. Welcome back to Thrive Time with Jay Mamie. 
Welcome back, everyone, to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. We are having a fantastic conversation with Michael Sergru about a topic that needs to be spoken about and brought into the public arena ever more so in 2021, especially when we're talking about a theme of unity uh, and compassion and comprehension and tolerance and understanding the needs of each other. We're having a very important conversation right now with Michael Sergru about that. Michael, we left off our last segment, and I said to you that as, as many of those who struggle um, because of a negative stigma, when they know they need help, those that are in law enforcement uh, and, and veterans too, because of the negative stigma, what can potentially happen when that individual does not seek help? It's, it's the ultimate, which is suicide. And what most pe- people don't realize is that as law enforcement officers and even all first responders, we are much more likely to die by our own hands than the hands of another. And I'm going to say that again. Mm. We're not more likely to be killed by some assailant with a gun. We're more likely to be killed by ourselves. And the facts are that the suicide numbers far outnumber the line of duty deaths. This year so far, and we're just brand new into 2021, we've already had two law enforcement suicides. And last year, we had 173. That's an amazing number. And I think the year prior, that number was even greater, wasn't it? It was. It was over 228. So you can understand, uh, guys, why this is critical. We have very good people that are putting their lives on the line every single day so that we could have a safe environment to thrive. But they are, some of them are, and obviously these numbers are pretty staggering. They themselves are living these, living a, a life of quiet desperation. And that is something that cannot happen if we're going to have a thriving, unified country. Michael, you went down that path. You suffered and struggled. You mentioned earlier with the same, um, with an injury. How did you come, or how did you arrive, rather, at deciding, I've got to do something here. I, I cannot not do something. I cannot struggle in silence. I need to get some help. How did you arrive at that? Because there could be a bunch of individuals listening to this episode right now, and I'm sure there are, that are, are at the crossroads deciding, should I come forth and seek help or should I not? What experience did you have that can help someone else? So my life was just absolutely falling apart. My marriage was over. I was in a federal lawsuit. My father was dying of cancer. Mm. I was diagnosed with, with skin cancer. I mean, you name it, I was going through it. And I started putting myself purposely in dangerous situations at work, hoping that I died in the line of duty, hoping I got killed. And what finally saved me was my own best friend. He's a Vietnam veteran but he was also a 35-year reserve officer with my department. He was my partner, and he tried to kill himself when I was on duty. He slashed both wrists. He stabbed himself in the torso and overdosed on multiple prescription medications. And I saw him right when they brought him to the ER, right before emergency surgery, and I thought he was going to die. And thank God he didn't, but he saved my life. He pulled me out of the darkness And I knew then I could not do that to my daughter. I couldn't do that to my family. I saw the devastation of what he did. I saw it firsthand on how I felt. 
And I knew, and I, about a month after that, I finally raised my hand. I called my watch commander and I just said, I can't do this anymore. I need help. You looked at what you were facing and realized there's a lot to lose, a lot more people that could be, that will be affected by your decision to end it, right? To, to do something drastic. And I think at the end of the day, that's a message for everyone who is at the cusp of doing something incredibly harmful or disastrous um, that may not necessarily be ending your life, but something very close to it. You have to look at those around you that are going to be affected, and then hopefully that is what turns your point of view around in a way that you stop what you're doing. As a police sergeant, you were on the front lines, and you commandeered officers on a daily basis. Did you ever develop signs or a system of indication that your officers could be dealing with stress? You know, unfortunately for me at the time, I was in the middle of my own trauma, and it actually skewed my perception and skewed my views. I got to the point where I was unapproachable, and because of what I had been through, their problems seemed insignificant, and they seemed like they didn't matter. Mm. When I compared their problems to mine, I lost perspective. I lost empathy. I lost sympathy for my people, and that was lack of leadership on my part. And I fall on the sword for that because I messed up. But that's why I do what I do today is to show that you can overcome this. You can see it. And so now I try to educate police officers, police administrators on the signs to look for, on what to do, because I failed in that capacity. And I think you're doing a great job by getting the word out because certainly it's impacting a lot of people and it takes a lot of courage to to admit that you did fall on your own sword. But as you travel the country, as you mentioned, you're speaking to law enforcement agencies all over the place. What do you find is the common challenge that those in service, first responders, those that are currently still in law enforcement, that they struggle with? You know, right now, I mean, these are the worst and worst of times when you're talking about law enforcement officers. They are feeling a lack of support on all levels. You know, it used to be when I started my career, you know, you worked for an agency, you worked for a city or a county or a state, and you knew that if you did the right thing, they were going to have your back and they were going to protect you. And now, with the political environment, you have district attorneys, you have police chiefs that are just throwing their people under the bus. And now you have officers that are scared to act when they should. And this is the real dilemma, is you have officers who, when they should use deadly force, now they're afraid to. And I'm talking about in fully justified scenarios. And that lack of action, and we're talking it could be milliseconds, that could cost lives, not only the officers' lives, but the public lives. And so I'm really feeling for our officers right now because it is unprecedented times. And they feel like they're out on an island and they have absolutely no support, not from the community, not from their own agency, and not from politicians. You know, I completely echo and agree with you. And I think the majority of Americans do as well. And that's one of those areas where I believe there has to be greater awareness and certainly an increased understanding that unless we come together, uh, Nobody wins here. I mean, there's just there's no winners here in, unless things improve. In fact, I was reading uh, a few days ago an article 
I mentioned earlier in the show, Michael, about the Capitol Hill riots, and uh, we're learning now that one of the Capitol Hill guards a few days later um, committed suicide. Now, there there has not been made a direct correlation with the events, the riots at the at the Capitol Hill and his suicide. But according to the reports I'm reading, there is a strong, there's strong evidence that supports that uh, the, the guy probably was already under massive, massive stress, unbeknownst to anyone, and this is what put him over the edge. Have you read that as well? I have. I actually just did a, a news interview on, on that subject last night, and you know, the thing is, is like I talked about earlier, this stuff builds and builds and builds. And we're talking about this is a, a veteran officer who've been working for many years, who's probably seen the worst of the worst. And, you know, I can't speak to him personally as far as what was going on in his personal life. But I have to tell you, when I saw the pictures of him and his wife and, and the happiness, and I, and I just I started thinking about my own life. And I started thinking about how my life started falling apart, and how I lost that happiness. And I don't think that the riots in Washington, D.C. is what caused his suicide. I do think there's a chance it could have pushed him over the edge, like you stated. Because mm-hmm. we get to a point, and visually the way I equate it is, you know, it's like a jar. When we start our law enforcement career, the jar is not completely empty. It, there's a little bit of stuff in there from our childhood and from growing up. But as we go through our career, that jar starts filling up and filling up and filling up. And if we don't address these things in a positive manner through resiliency and positive coping mechanisms, that jar is eventually going to overflow. And that's the point where it's too late. That's the point where officers decide to take their own lives. Well, that's why you're on the show, Michael. We want to prevent that in a big way. In our final minute or so, what, what final word would you want to leave our listeners with uh, because I, I, I bet to say, Michael, and I really feel this in my spirit, that there's going to be someone listening to this program that either has a relationship or knows someone who's a first responder or in law, currently in law enforcement, or they may very well be currently themselves serving in that capacity and is at the edge. What would you say to that, to them, to friends of theirs who are also listening to the shows, and to anyone who may not be? in a law enforcement capacity or first responders, but can relate to being at the edge, stressed out at the edge. What would you say to them in our final minute of the show? First off, I'd say you're not alone. I've been there. I've been in the deepest, darkest part of my life, and I thought there was no hope. I thought there was no way out, and all I could see was darkness. And thank God I was pulled out of that, but I have to tell you, there is help. But more importantly, there's hope. And I'm living proof of that. It's not easy. It's very difficult. I've been in my recovery for over two years. But my life now is absolutely amazing. I look at life totally different. And most importantly, I'm here and fully present for my daughter. And so can you. You can be here for yourself and for your loved ones. Do not give up. Raise your hand and ask for help. Me asking for help is the strongest, bravest, most courageous thing I've ever done. It was nothing I ever did in the military or on the streets. It was asking for help. Do it for yourself. 
Michael, I appreciate you being on the show. That was powerful. Where could people in the last 10 seconds find you, get information for you, and have you speak at their events? Best is LinkedIn. I'm on there every day. Uh, look me up. You can send me a message on LinkedIn. That is the number one. The second would be a Facebook page called First Responders First. Again, First Responders First. And I'll put your information up at our website so people can track you down. Michael, I really appreciate you being on the show, brother. Thank you for having me. It's my honor. Guys, we'll be right back after the break. Hello, everyone. This is Michael Merritt with Merritt Coaching Group. At the end of a long and amazing journey filled with love, laughter, joy, and tears, what will you say about your life? Start today with the right mindset, priorities, and perspectives. Let Merit Coaching Group take you to the next level. We are here to help you both personally and professionally. We know that you are born to succeed. Contact us at 469-834-7159 or MerrickCoachingGroup.com. Are you experiencing chronic pain and discomfort in your back, joints, or neck? Have you tried a number of remedies, treatments, and prescriptions without feeling any better? If so, schedule a consultative visit with my friend, Dr. Carlos Chapa from the Acupuncture and Integrative Medical Center in Las Colinas. He's a holistic doctor specializing in Eastern medicine and will treat the reason why you have the pain. Call 972-444-0660 today to book a visit or visit drchapa.com. That is D-R-C-H-A-P-A.com. Balance of nature is fruits and vegetables in a capsule, changing the world one life at a time. I am 73. I work 40 hours a week. I take Balance of Nature pretty much religiously. One day, about two weeks ago, I cleaned a house that was three and a half hours, another one that was two and a half hours, another one that was three and a half hours, and then I cleaned a commercial building and then cleaned half of another building. I got home at 10 o'clock at night. And who can do that at 73? Balance of Nature actually gives me quite a bit of energy. It's just amazing that fruits and vegetables could actually fix your problems. I don't have to have like coffee and whatever. I just take these and I have the energy. Right now, Balance of Nature is offering free shipping and 35% off on any new preferred order. Call 1-800-2468-751 or go to balanceofnature.com and use discount code DALLAS. Welcome back to Thrive Time with Jay Mamie. Welcome back, everyone, to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. What an incredible segment we just had with Michael Sugru. Uh, I hope you guys were paying attention on that, and I hope that you have uh, the, the wisdom and insight to share this show with as many that you know, because you never know who down the road needs uh, to hear this message or currently needs to hear his message. But now we're going to have our conversation with our author spotlight. I mentioned in the beginning of the show, author, new author, Julie Thomas, just released a book that is already starting to make an impact. Her book is uh, right now being read by a number of people. So I wanted her to have a chance to share her thoughts, her story, her book on our show today as our featured author spotlight. Julie Thomas, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Really glad to be here. Wonderful. Julie, tell us a little bit about yourself before we dive into the book. So I live in the Tampa Lakeland area. Um, I have two boys that are ages 10 and 8. They're a handful, but, you know, I'm so thankful for them. And God has been good to me just by giving me wonderful boys. So, uh, you know, and they're just a really a huge blessing to me. Um, prior to this book, 
I was a nurse practitioner as an occupation, still do, still doing that PRN, but I worked in an area where I had to help people through major illnesses and, and diagnoses that were uh, terminal, um, life-limiting illnesses, and really got to work with them through that piece. But now, as you had mentioned, Jay, I'm a new author of Change Your Words, Change Your Future, Understanding the Incredible Power and Impact of Your Words. And uh, that's where I'm headed in my career right now, and that's where I feel that the Lord is leading me. So just excited to be here. Wonderful. So your book, Change Your Words, Change Your Future. What inspired you to write this book? Well, Jay, I've learned so much about my words and the power of my words. And, you know, I'm a firm believer that whatever you've learned, you should teach. And just for the, the audience listening, you know, uh, I've, I've, you know, it's uh, being a new author, you want to make sure that you share your experiences uh, with others. And uh, I've learned so much. So I just want to make sure that I can share my experiences with those listening today. You know, the thing about a book, uh, when a, an author or an individual decides to write their book, usually there's a premise that they've got a message to share. They're inspired. They're motivated. They know there's something in their heart that has to get out to the world. And that's what it's almost like forces them to sit down and do something that could be very uncomfortable, very, very time-consuming because they know they have something good to share with the world. And that's what you've done. And uh, it's something that most people never have an opportunity or, or, or take time or the guts to do. So kudos to you. But every book has a message or a theme. What would you say is that message or theme in your book? Jay, the message of this book is your words have the power to change your life. Um you know, what it, you know, the Bible says that there's power in your words. Mm -hmm. Life and death are in the power of your words. Mm -hmm. And that's really what the premise of this book is about, is that we can use our words for us or against us. Um, and making sure that we do that, you know, this book has so much information. It's not just for faith-based people. It's for anyone out there. If you're using your words, uh, you want to make sure you just pick up this book because it's going to help you in any or every area of your life. Sometimes people struggle struggle with their inner dialogue. Uh, their inner dialogue. Um, sometimes people feel less than. Uh, they feel average, mediocre. They don't feel like they have much to offer. And and sometimes their words they express that through their words, but that can really limit their future and the direction of their lives. And this book is really about what are your confessions? What do you say about yourself every day? You know, what do you declare over your life? Um, and then. You may have, you may feel like that's your identity, but what's, what's God's identity? What does God say about you? You know, and, and then making sure that you declare blessings over your life and victory over your life. Um, I really had to do this in my own life. You know, uh, my husband passed away in 2018 from a car accident. And, you know, I had, I had every reason to feel down, defeated, and discouraged, but I literally had to pull myself up and declare victory over my life despite my circumstances. And, you know, no matter what you go through, God is always there for you. And I, I had to find it through the Word of God to be able to find, hey, what does God say about my situation? I'm going to come into agreement with what the Lord has said and just confessing God's Word over my life where I could receive the healing that I needed. Um, and whether you need, you need healing in your health, in your marriage, 
over your kids. This book is really going to help you in every area of that of your life uh, to be able to bring about the change that you need. Well, Julie, I really appreciate you sharing with us your your personal story. I, I can see how, as you put it, confessions and declarations can certainly become therapeutic and also a source of reengaging um, with the direction that you have for your life and the direction that God has for you. So I really appreciate doing that because there are going to be so many folks out there that are going to resonate with your story that I think that's what's going to be the highlight of you writing this book is how many of those you're going to help. What should the reader walk away with after reading your book? What's the one thing you want them to walk away with after they pick up and read your book? Your confession matters. What you say about yourself and others matter. Uh, you can speak life into people, and you can actually destroy them as well. And sometimes people don't realize that. You know, nobody ever stops to take inventory of, hey, what am I saying to myself? What am I saying to other people? You could be in a marriage, and, you know, you can feel like, oh, my marriage is terrible, and it's going downhill. But, you know, are you using your words to build up your marriage? Are you using you know, to enhance your spouse. And those are life-changing tips. I mean, people struggle struggle through marriage, divorce, whatever it could be. But if they only uh, had an understanding of what the power of the words were, they, they would be able to make those changes. Um, whether it be in your health, uh, Jay, and your, you know, you need healing. Uh, a lot of people are suffering with all kinds of ailments. But you know, sometimes they go against the grain and saying, instead of saying, you know, God, I believe in your word, you're going to heal me and confessing um, scripture over your life, which builds up your faith. They they kind of go into the, the model of, well, I'm sick or I just don't think I'm going to get better. But really, if you're if you're wanting or seeking a miracle, you need to make sure that your your mouth matches your faith, your confessions matches what you want. So basically, you know, speaking uh, in the direction that you're seeking. And I believe with your confessions matched with the words of God, matched with faith, you'll be able to receive the answer to your prayers um, and be able to receive healing in the area that you need it the most. Folks, you see, this is why I'm so thankful that I have instituted in our show programming author spotlights, because I know there are so many incredible messages that are needing to be expressed, they're needing to be heard, and here's one right now. Uh, what Julie Thomas has, has done in her book, as you can tell already, um, is not only a work of of faith, but it's also a work of empowerment. And right. uh, clearly, clearly, that's what you will receive, I believe, after reading her work. And it's what encourages me to continue to give a platform to new authors who do have something magical to share with the world. In our last minute here, uh, Julie, in your personal experience, what, what are some of the words you hear people speak to their own detriment? Yeah. Uh, you know, people speak things like, I'm not good, good enough. I, I don't feel qualified. Um, you know, I, I have a friend who comes from the New York Bronx area, and, and she would say things. She wants to be used by God. She wants to enter into ministry. She wants to do all of these things and dreams that she has. But 
she continues to stay so focused on what she doesn't have that she fails to look at what she does have. And so she'll use her words to her detriment in a sense of saying, I don't, I, I feel like I don't have a good accent or I feel like nobody will understand me. And, you know, I was talking to my friend and I said, God has given you everything you need. He has equipped you with everything you need to be able to accomplish what he has put in, in your heart to do. And, um, just really encouraging her to that God has given you the accent that you have, you know, that New York Bronx accent to be able to reach somebody and, and, you know, don't think anything less of yourself because you are who you are and the traits and the, you know, talents and things of that nature that you have. God can use anything. And, uh, you know, don't, don't, don't limit yourself. Don't limit yourself. Um, but really just keep going forward. Use your mouth, confess, God's word over your life, you know, speak positive, do the things that you feel is right and move forward in Christ. And, and I think, you know, she's coming along, but she's definitely going to get there. Julie, where could people pick up a copy of your book? Well, my book is sold on Amazon. So you could, if you put in my name, you can find it under Julie Thomas, uh, change your words, change your future. That's a quicker link. And then also my website is julie-thomas.com. So that's julie-thomas.com, and that'll link you to the book. But, yeah, I definitely feel that if if you want to be able to improve your lives in any form or fashion, uh, whether it be in your marriage, healing with your children, any area, this book is really going to help you. And I think um, it's going to really bring about some changes that you need in your life. We'll have the book link up at our website, the jmamietalkshow.com. Julie Thomas, thank you for being on the show. Thank you so much, Jay. I appreciate it. Now in the show, we're going to introduce Ram Mehta, the founder of Everyone Eats. As I mentioned earlier in the show, he is doing incredible work to help others in need. Ram, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jay. Thank you for giving me the opportunity. Absolutely. Ram, I'm going to give you the next two minutes to share with our audience a little bit about this incredible work you're doing with Everyone Eats. Yes, sir. So Everyone Eats is a movement I started from my restaurant in Freda in Plano. It was started as a promise to my mom who passed away uh, two years back, uh, about the time I was opening my restaurant. Uh, I used to struggle a lot. I struggled a lot in my life back in New York. I was homeless at a point in my life. So when God gave me an opportunity uh, and I was opening a restaurant, my mom, who did a lot for people in need, took a promise from me that I will post a sign outside my restaurant that if somebody can't afford it or if somebody's hungry, they can come in, dine in like a regular customer. No questions, no judgment. Uh, So the day we opened the restaurant, we had that sign since that day outside. But when COVID hit, I realized the need is greater. A lot of people, a lot of my customers were telling me stories, how they're struggling. They lost their job. They, you know, and even something basic as food uh, is a challenge. So I started doing small events. Till then, I hadn't named it or anything. We started doing small events where we'll make like 500 meals. We'll uh, drop it uh, at different homeless shelters. Then Frisco ISD, uh, I realized that the students, uh, when the school closed, the students were, uh, you know, looking for food because a lot of them, were depending on the free meals they would get. We started doing that, and it just grew to a point 
that we have so far given away over 415,000 plus meals, two cars, 50,000 PPE kits, uh, you know, a couple of thousand toys, uh, sneakers, and a lot of other things. And I mean, I, uh, you know, during this journey, I met some amazing people who are actually more passionate than me about doing what I'm doing. So even though it's my face, there's a lot of people who supported me. And so far, it's most of it has been self-funded for our savings. So uh, we just got our 501c3, and we are building a board now, finally. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's a, uh, it has been an incredible journey where you see people from all color, all races, uniting just to serve the community. Well, I, I've seen you at work, and it's fantastic work. Guys, we're going to put up the website at our station, at our radio show uh, site, so that you can have more information. Ram, we appreciate you being on the show. Thank you, brother. I really appreciate you. Folks, that's a wrap. We'll see you next Sunday.